We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome inside the clubhouse. We are here on the score. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, and it is going to be a fun show until 11 o'clock. We are packed with great guests. We are talking about the White Sox walk off, the Cubs dust off, dust up, I guess I should say, Bruce in the dugout. Good morning, Bruce Levine. He will be with me until 11 o'clock. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, David. Yeah, it's a glorious day in Chicago. Beautiful Chicago June weather and uh, first place teams on both sides of town. What could be better than talking baseball here on the score and inside the clubhouse with you? So let's get rolling. Where would you like to begin? Well, we both have uh, first-place teams in, in both sides of town, as you point out, but the Cubs are clinging to that probably a little bit tighter than the White Sox right now. The Cubs, uh, losers two straight to the Giants, the best team in baseball. Cubs are 32-25 and 25 after losing last night. The Sox, 35-22, and 22, the best team in the American League. They have a walk-off hit from Yermin Mercedes in the ninth inning, so that was drama on the south side. But, Bruce, while people were sleeping, uh, they might have missed the drama with the Cubs in the dugout. Maybe we start there. Maybe we start with what happened when Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras um, confronted each other and were uh, raising their voices the way teammates and maybe uh, brothers occasionally do. Heck, we do it here sometimes this Saturday mornings between 9 and 11. But take us from there. What happened in the Cubs dugout and how did they address it after the game? Well, I don't think Mitch Rosen has ever had to shove me all the way down tunnel uh, during uh, one of our uh, shows yet, but it might get to that one day. Uh, yeah, it, w- it was a lot of high drama because, uh, David, uh, you know, just to preface it a little bit, you know, these guys are together 200 days out of the year every day, okay, except for 18 days during the season, which are off days. So like any family, there are fights. We don't, we're not privy to see m- very many of these disagreements. However, like in radio, as you point out, or anything, any other business, there are disagreements. This one occurred between Wilson Contreras, who was angered and uh, who um, 
and Anthony Rizzo, who was agitated. And a lot of frustration from the game uh, was shown in this. This was a game that Jake Arrieta uh, only got through two innings. The game was pretty much lost after those because Jake had nothing and admitted later that he was sick coming into the game, sick during the game. It was uh, kind of sick for everybody to watch as well, including <laughs> these players. And then um, the frustration of fighting back, and uh, we all of a sudden late innings, and it's David Ross separating the two guys, uh, walking Rizzo down into the tunnel, uh, both of them eventually talking it out. Um, certainly uh, something we don't see often, something that is some one of the reasons why we're starting this off uh, our show off with this is because uh, it's, uh, you know, social media uh, number one, you know, it trends and it will continue to trend. But uh, it was certainly diffused. The Cubs did a very smart thing. And Anthony Rizzo talked immediately after the game. Well, I think, you know, that that's the key thing, too, is that they addressed it after the game. David Ross didn't let it fester. Uh, and, and I think that there are some things to point out here that are, that are worth remembering when we talk about two teammates going at each other in the dugout to the point where the manager did have to, you know, get involved. And, and, and maybe people have other opinions. 312-644-6767. Please share them with us. This is mine, Bruce. This isn't Eric Sogard and Jock Peterson going at each other. It's not a, a, a new player to the Cubs organization or somebody who's – you know, past doesn't maybe buy them the benefit of the doubt in situations like these. These are two guys who are, if you had to, we talk all the time about the core. This, These are two of the core four. They have different leadership styles, but they're both leaders. And I don't think that there's a need to necessarily overreact to anything like this because, number one, are playing so well. Number two, these guys both have uh, been examples of how to deal with adversity in the past and the other thing is i think it almost brings out how good of a leader david ross has been the fact that he addressed it number one initially right after right right as it happened and you could see that he knows both guys he was ex-teammates he was teammates of both guys so that was how he handled it as it happened and then post game the way he addressed it openly publicly without kind of backing away from whatever everyone saw. You know, that's just part of the family atmosphere. I think you get in baseball and, and, um, you know, guys are competing at the highest level and trying to, trying to, trying to continue to fight and do what's best. And, and when sometimes you're going to, you're not going to see eye to eye. I think that's, that's pretty normal in the environment uh, in the big leagues. We've got a, a close knit group and that that's kind of when it, that, that usually is when those kind of things happen when you got guys that, um, know each other, care about each other, and are passionate and and, and have an emo- have emotion. So you know, I don't think it's it's anything that's that's um, a huge deal or or something that I'm extremely worried about. Bruce, I think you filed it away, but not much to see here. Uh, no, there isn't, and uh, we we still come away from it not knowing what the dust up was about. Um, whether it was a big deal to uh, Contreras, who initially threw down his gear in anger, and then we saw a reaction from uh, Rizzo, who was really, um, you know, as as much out of control as you'll ever see Anthony Rizzo, this side of going after the Cincinnati Reds whole team uh, (laughs) four or five years ago in Cincinnati. Um, We know 
he's a, an extremely passionate guy, but it's usually under uh, good control and fun control. I mean, his perspective on life and the way playing baseball is because of his history of uh, being a cancer survivor and and uh, the way that he contributes back to uh, uh, the city and to people and to uh, you know uh, the cancer funds. He's got a tremendous perspective, but that doesn't eliminate the passion that runs through this guy. And I think it's really good to see something like this because we talk an awful lot about uh, a lack of passion in the game of baseball, a lack of energy in the game of baseball, a lack of caring uh, in the game of baseball, you know, like rich athletes who are going to get paid regardless of the results. Uh, In this instance, it shows you how much Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras care about what's going on there. I find it refreshing, but, you know, I'm a little weird to begin with. Well, we'll find out what Jed Hoyer thinks about it when we talk to him at 9.30. The Cubs president is going to join us. Billy Hamilton later on in the 10 o'clock hour from the White Sox, the outfielder who's having a fun year on the south side. But, Bruce, I think that you make a good point, and I think it's a fair one because it's not dismissing what happened. But when you look at these guys and we celebrate them for – you know, what they what Rizzo did against the Reds and that brand of leadership or Wilson Contreras earlier this week. You know, we made a big deal when he hit the home run and he stared back at Victor Caratini. When a guy wears his emotions on his sleeve to the extent that Wilson Contreras does and we celebrate it when he does those things, can't just criticize it when he turns around and he, and he gets into a, a, a verbal altercation with a teammate. Again, because of who the teammate was, because of who Wilson Contreras is. These aren't guys who are late to the party. These aren't guys who are just, you know, latching on and, and, and ring chasing with the Cubs. These are guys who were there uh, for several years and there when they were at the highest moment. So I think that's to, to be considered. So the Cubs, it could get more frustrating today, Bruce. They have to face Kevin Gosman, the NL Pitcher of the Month. He's 6-0. and They have Cole Stewart going on the mound for them. That's going to be a tough challenge. I think your perspective is really good, David, bringing it back there because – the real concern is back to what the strength of the Chicago Cubs team has been for the last month or so now being questioned again. And that is, is this pitching going to be holding up for the 2021 season? And uh, will Jed Hoyer, the president uh, and top baseball official, be able to add on? And we will talk to Jed Hoyer at the bottom of the hour and get some direct answers about Uh, what's going to happen there. But David, um, you know, when you see a guy like uh, Arietta, who is one of the more refreshing stories out of spring training into April, uh, you know, reinventing himself, throwing the baseball in different ways, pinpoint control. And now the last uh, three or so where uh, he's averaged, given up uh, a run an inning, uh, not getting past, uh, you know, six innings total in the last two, uh, these are these are high concerns about the, uh, the starting pitching for the Cubs, and uh, obviously the bullpen was not going to hold up and throw uh, zeros the rest of the year. They're also being human now uh, the last few days. You want to come out of last night with a concern. It's it's not two guys going at it whose whose responsibility you trust. It's Jake Arrieta with 42 pitches in the second inning, giving up six runs. And, and facing 10 batters, it was over. And if he felt sick, imagine how Cubs feels 
Cubs fans felt watching that happen. That's not what you, you know, you, at some point in time, as you watch him struggle, he's got an 8.28 ERA over his last six starts, Bruce. At what point in time do you think that it becomes start to start for Jake Arrieta and you wonder if he, you know, is, is the most replaceable starter in that rotation? I know Trevor, Trevor Williams had the appendectomy. Um, I, I know why he is out. Cole Stewart goes today. Is Jake Arrieta in danger of losing his spot in the rotation? Yeah, I think it's a fair question, but I think the, the you advance the question by saying, what do we have to replace him? Alec Mills is working his way back. One more start here, um, I think, at Iowa, and he's back with the Cubs. But um, certainly David Ross, from spring training on, uh, chose to use him as the Swiss Army knife in many different roles. Is he better suited there than uh, giving Jake Arrieta a temporary timeout to fix this? And stepping in there, uh, you know, the Cubs have been a paper thin, which has been, they have a paper thin roster is a better way to put it. And uh, that's been a part of the charm of the story of the Cubs is that they keep losing uh, position players. Uh, they keep uh, piecing it together and they're a first place team. Well, as we know, they're in the midst right now of June, which is uh, from this point on eight, eight home games and 18 road games. The first two of those road games they've lost in San Francisco. This is the month for the Chicago Cubs. And as we talked about, we'll talk to Jed Hoyer about what type of proof he needs, the front office needs, ownership needs to add on to this Chicago Cub team this year. And we'll get into more of what was said and who said what after the game, Bruce, when we have more time in the 10 o'clock hour, the top of the hour. We will address some of those things, but we need to get to the White Sox because while the Cubs and before the Cubs were dealing with their dust up, the White Sox were celebrating their walk off with Jermaine Mercedes, who was mired in a 0 for 25 slump, gets to the bat, get, goes to the plate in the ninth inning, a tie game, eight to eight, entertaining way that it got to eight to eight. That was a fascinating game. Nobody's complaining about how boring baseball is after watching that. And Jermaine Mercedes drives in the, the winning run. Everybody's happy. And, and you have to feel good for the Yerminator because he has had a very difficult month after having uh, an April that was the surprise of the sport. An 0 for 25. A 1-0 Mercedes. That is... <laughs> Go ahead, Bruce. Uh, as, I, as I was saying before, I interrupted a nice soundbite and segue. Um, 0 for 25 for... Uh, Mercedes uh, going into that and let's hear that highlight one more time. Uh, okay, we won't hear that highlight one more time right now. Uh, but in fact, uh, Mercedes had uh, um, a good perspective after the game. You know, he was riding this wave, David, of being one of the most famous baseball players in the game after nobody knew who in the hell he was his entire career, 10 years as a journeyman. And I think um, perspective uh, has come his way. Uh, you know, Bruce, if, if you have a guy who has struggled to get to the big leagues and has taken him, him a decade to, to get there, you, you, you don't ever want anybody to endure 0 for 25 or 2 for 37 or whatever it had gotten to. But if you're ever going to have somebody who's, co who's comfortable 
dealing with adversity, it would be someone like that. So I understand, and I, I, I have been among those who have doubted whether or not your main Mercedes start was sustainable. We talk every morning on, on the Mullen Haw Show just about whether or not the White Sox should be looking outside the organization to supplement the offense because you just don't know if Mercedes is going to be somebody you can count on. So he goes up to the plate. Your, your level of confidence is maybe, you know, shaking a little bit, but it's nice to see him come through, and you hope that this is a confidence builder and he can move forward, you know, building off of this in a way that brings him back. to He doesn't have to hit 350. He doesn't have to hit 400. He just has to hit 270, 275, and drive in some runs at key times, and I think the Sox would take that. You're right, but I think your initial point is still a, a very uh... – one very important one to pay attention to, and that is they need to add on, okay? They can't sit around and say, wishing and hoping for Luis Robert and for um, the return of Eloy Jimenez. That's unrealistic, and at the very earliest, the end of the summer. Uh, whether your, your mean hits 300 or not, they need some fortification in the outfield. Hopefully Adam Engel will come back. He'll play good ball, and he'll help there. But um, they need uh, a guy that can drive in runs and can uh, play um, as good as center field as uh, Billy Hamilton can, can uh, the rest of the year. And I think they're go- they're going to be out there shopping that and are shopping that right now to see if a guy like Starling Marte or the Marlins hmm. or people like that can be the answer, the short-term answer to the 2021 season because scoring runs – even though the White Sox do it in clusters sometimes, very much like the Cubs, but maybe a little more so because their run differential is so high, um, it's been a challenge. The, the, the White Sox are a pitching team. They are a starting pitching monster. Okay, That is where they've gotten to be a four-game leader, the biggest lead in baseball in their division. Um, and um, to, to continue to help the offense... I think is really a good spot for uh, Mr. Rick Hahn to go. Fourth walk-off victory for the White Sox this year. You mentioned the pitching. Tony LaRusso, whose moves we do dissect and whose every move gets a lot of scrutiny, Bruce, he decides to go to Liam Hendricks in the ninth inning, two on, two out, tie game. It's a tie game, and yet, number one, it was the right move because it worked. Number two, did you start to wonder, like I started to wonder, like I think a lot of people started to wonder, why he didn't go to Hendricks to start the inning? Uh, yeah, but uh, he explained that it's a home game and that home games with the last at-bats, uh, there's a different perspective of how he uses the closer. He had Foster up at one point. Um, tie game, uh, even behind, that's how he was, chooses to use his bullpen, and he explained it uh, in the post game. That's how it went. Um, I think the, the refreshing part is um, what your main Mercedes said about the relationship, which we've questioned and everybody on social media has questioned over the last three weeks, uh, in particular since he went into this slump. Let's listen to your main Mercedes talk about uh, how important Tony LaRusse is to him. Tony always been with me. He loved me. So we're together all the time. We're together all the time, uh, in, the, in the practice, in the game, here at the clubhouse. We 
walking, uh, joking around. Uh, you know, we we together all the time. That guy right there is a is a big a big guy. You know, we need that guy. We just need to uh, learn, uh, continue working, uh, do the best we can do. That's Yerminator and TLR, a cop buddy movie coming toward you to to your theaters near you. <laughs> it's uh, kind of like my relationship with Mitch Rosen. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. he's a, he's a big guy for us at the station, and uh, I, I I found that very refreshing because he, he, he when you were watching him on the Zoom, uh, as myself and the other reporters were, it was a lot of emotion in what he was saying. He wanted to get his point across even though his English isn't the best, and I give him tremendous credit for pushing through it all the time. He wants to do that. Um, he wanted to get his point across that there is no ex- no exception to the idea that uh, this is his manager and he has respect for him, which is something I think all of us questioned as to whether that could be after the uh, original problem they had. Well, I think it was fair to wonder. I was one of those wondering sure. where your main Mercedes confidence was after he was called clueless publicly by his manager. I like the fact that he did kind of portray that relationship as being a positive one. You like to see that in the clubhouse. And let's face it, Bruce, when you're winning, when you're the best team in the American League as the Sox are with a 35-22 and 22 record, it's much easier to get over these little uh, bouts of adversity. And they certainly have done that. And good for your mean coming through in the ninth inning when it mattered most that is we'll have more white Sox conversation when we move forward we have billy hamilton scheduled to join us in the 10 o'clock hour but when we come back we're looking forward to our conversation with cubs team president jed hoyer here on inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score we're back with more inside the clubhouse with bruce levine and david haw on sports radio 670 the score and 670 the score.com a radio.com sports station presented by bet rivers sportsbook jed doesn't that uh, put a lot of pressure on the first 60 games to really define not only for rossi but for you as well i don't know if i would limit it to 60 um but i would say you know certainly um we, we probably, you know, over the course of the first three or four months, for sure. I think you need to, we, you know, we need to we need to play well and, and, and be in a good position. Um, I think, you know, saying differently would, would you know, it would be inaccurate, but I, I mean, I have every confidence that we'll, we'll go out and play well, but yeah, I think, I think 60 games is too few, but you know, the, the deadlines, you know, roughly, usually roughly 120 ish. And I think that's, that, that's a pretty important time to, we have to make decisions, and and my hope certainly is that we're on the uh, on the on the you know, the buy side of that, you know. But um, those are the those are the hard decisions that you have to make in this job if if we're not playing well. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score with Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw here until eleven o'clock. That was the voice of Jed Hoyer, the Cubs team president, talking earlier this season about his plans and philosophies as we near the trade deadline and the Cubs' success or failure heading in to a very pivotal part of their schedule, Bruce. And, and certainly lots happened since Jed made, that, made those comments. And I think the Cubs put themselves in a position to, to believe that they are good enough to contend and potentially be buyers heading into June even with the great month of May. What did you think they they accomplished in that month and, and how important this road trip is to defining more clearly for the front office what direction to go well the most important thing i think they established was that the, the big players 
came to play and they started to deliver again. Bryant, from the get-go, has been an MVP candidate. Baez, a slow starter, has heated up as of late. And Rizzo has been uh, Mr. Consistent that you always uh, look for on both offense and defense. Pitching, surprisingly, a lot better than anybody could have imagined. And in that, uh, you have... uh, some proof at the the foot at the at the foot uh, the feet of uh, <clears throat> Mr. Hoyer and uh, the Chicago Cubs ownership as to maybe a direction they might want to go. With that, Bruce, we are pleased to go out to the score hotline and bring in the Cubs president Jed Hoyer, who is uh, kind enough to join us this morning. Good morning, Jed. How are you? I'm great, guys. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. A little bit uh, tired staying up to watch uh, that game last night. <laughs> These West Coast trips are not good for. For your sleep patterns but um certainly let's start there jed because we have a lot we want to get to talk to you about but last night was a really newsy game because of what happened in the dugout Uh, before we get any further what was your reaction to what you saw happen between wilson Contreras and anthony rizzo and and do you know yet what caused it yeah i mean you know to be honest with you i I talked to rossi after the game for a while just more about well roster moves and things like that and that came up briefly but you know, I, I think to me the, uh, the 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 bummer of the whole thing was it happened publicly. You, know, you never want those things to happen in the dugout. Um, things like that happen in the clubhouse. You know, throughout the summer, you don't not often, but you know, you got you know fifty people traveling around the country in a competitive industry trying to win. These things happen. You know, and uh, there's no big deal. It's the kind of thing that's that's kind of over and done with right after. But you know, I think got, that they were frustrated. I think we'll keep. You know the reasons why you know internal, but they were they were they were frustrated. They sort of had their moment, and you know if that moment happens in the batting cage or something like that, no one ever knows about it. So now it's all good. Uh, they've been teammates for a long time. They actually get along great, and uh, we'll sort of move forward. And you know I think that that's the you know that's the kind of passion you don't you don't like to see guys going at it uh, together like that. Like that's not a, a a positive, but at the same time, it kind of goes to show these guys are these guys are playing hard every night. They they want to win, and when they're when we're struggling in uh, in San Francisco, they're not happy about it. Jed Hoyer joining us in Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, thank you for taking the time out today to enjoy uh, to join uh, David and myself. And uh, staying in, in that vein, um, I know myself, people in the media, fans are tremendously interested in the month of June. Eight home games, 18 road games. 0-2 so far on that uh, road trip against all teams who are, have better than 500 records. Um, probably the best teams in the National League you play this month, uh, most of them away. Uh, is this a litmus test for you to observe as uh, the architect of this team going forward and make some really difficult decisions about adding, subtracting, or staying the same after you see how the month of July, uh, June plays out. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, first of all, that May was, you know, so incredibly successful. We, we played so well. We you know, played, you know, we, we beat, beat some teams we need to beat, but we also played exceptionally well against some very good teams. And, you know, we played really well at home. And, you know, I, I thought the brand of baseball that we played was, you know, was really outstanding. Um, and yeah, June, it was no question. Like when you look at the schedule at the beginning of the year, you know, that's sort of the month you circled as the most difficult month. Um, as you said, like, you know, 
18 road games. And, uh, you know, most importantly, when you look at the schedule and how you're going to perform, you know, two trips to the West Coast in one month is, is really difficult. So you know, I do think this is a, I don't want to call it a litmus test, but yet there's no question that, you know, this is a, uh, this is a period of schedule where we have to, we have to play really well. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's going to be games that, that, that we're going to struggle. There's no question in, in a schedule like that, but we need to win the games we can win. And uh, we need to keep playing the same kind of, uh, you know, energetic baseball we've been playing for the last month. And I think we'll be okay, but yeah, it's a challenging one. Uh, you know, when you get, when you get the schedule, you look at your West coast trips for a reason. And, uh, you know, we happen to be going out there and right now and playing two teams that are, uh, that are playing incredibly good baseball with, you know, great run differentials. And um, this was always going to be a challenge. And, uh, you know, the first two nights have been challenging. We just need to, over the next five games, we just need to, you know, play better and uh, get some Ws. So, Jed, we talk about this a lot on a daily basis almost if from uh, Cubs uh, talk radio to Cubs fans in the stands, you know, what, what direction this organization is headed this season. And, and I know that you're probably well aware of the way players have openly discussed being motivated by that possibility that this may be their last run together. They may be dismantled before the trade deadline. So I guess, are, are you saying, was May good enough to, to take you off the fence if you were wondering whether or not you're going to be buyer or seller? Is that a, is that a decision that is still being determined? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, listen, I think it was outstanding. And obviously, you know, I think all along our hope has been that we would be on the buy side. And, and certainly the way we played in May and the, where we are in the standings, that would, you know, that would certainly be the decision. Uh, you know, that said, I, I they do feel like we, you know, um, there's no, you know, we can't have some arbitrary cutoff where that that's decided, you know? So obviously like right now, uh, there's no question. We're not in that, in that position. We don't want to be in that position. And I, I hope we play well all month, but you know, I think ultimately um, there is, there is no reason. There's no, there's no cutoff, uh, you know? And I think we have to continue to just to make the, make the best decisions, but just to be clear, you know, um, I love the way this team's playing. The energy has been fantastic. Uh, obviously bullpen has, has really, has really stepped up and, you know, there'd be a, you know, certainly it's our hope to, to be on that, on the, the good side of the, those transactions, so to speak, where we're adding and, and uh, really pushing to, you know, to win this year. I think, I think that's what everyone, you know, from ownership on down really wants. President of Baseball Operations for the Chicago Cubs, Jed Hoyer, David Hall, Bruce Levine's guest on Inside the Clubhouse for a few more minutes. And let me advance that question a little further, Jed, by saying on June 11th, uh, Wrigley Field will welcome all fans for the first time since uh, September of 2019. <clears throat> With that great joy for the fans and for people watching the game and covering it, also comes for you you and your owner more revenue, a lot more revenue. Uh, more importantly, revenue you can count on. How will that and how can that impact decisions made going toward the future of instead of possibly waiting till the off season to determine additions, maybe going after some of those controllable players right now to help for now and the future. In other words, killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's a, I mean, even 60% was a, was a great positive and, you know, I can't tell you how nice it was to have, have fans back in the stands and feel that energy and, um, as much as we've looked forward to it, um, I think it was even more um, exciting and, and the difference was even bigger than we imagined. You know, the comments from our players, our coaches, from other teams 
executives and, and coaches just about how loud it was and, and how great it was. And, you know, of course you can't measure it, but I'm sure it had uh, a real impact on our performance. And we, we played, we've been playing great at home. And I think that that has a lot to do with it. And hundred percent is going to be, going to be really terrific. Um, and obviously when, from a revenue standpoint, I think I've already said, you know, on the record, yeah, I think we, we should have flexibility. I think that the fact that, um, things opened up a little faster than you and then, than we expected. And we, we have additional revenue as a result. We should have some flexibility, you know, as far as trades go, you know, I think what you, what you said is that, you know, something that obviously, you know, we will look at strongly. I think when it comes to trades, um, there's probably some time before the league is going to start moving. You know, there could be some, a one-off trade here or there, but, you know, I can, I can tell you that, you know, as far as, you know, the trade market, you know, it, it, it's, it's always slower than people think. It takes time to, to get into it. And, you know, early June, you still need to, you know, compete with what you have and use your depth. And, uh, and that's what we're going to do. But as we get deeper into the, into the trade season, yes, we should have some, some flexibility to make moves. And um, the early opening of, of things uh, certainly helps. You know, Jed, when you look at your big three, Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo and the starts that they are off to and how resurgent of a season this has been for KB and, and Javi as well, I think, his baseball renaissance. You look at his numbers, very impressive. So I, because it comes up so often, philosophically speaking, it, it, how realistic or unrealistic is to think that this is something you guys discuss internally or as an organization in terms of locking either or all of them up long-term to deals that would – you know, remove this sort of uncertainty to conversations about their future. Yeah, well, I, I mean, listen, all three are iconic players for the Cubs and deservedly so. And I think that, um, you know, so in, individually and as a group, I think you know, our affection for those guys is, you know, is, is incredibly real based on what they've done and based on who they are as people. Um, and, and over over the last five years, but even really over the last year or so, we, we, we've had, you know, conversations with those guys about extensions. We've never, you know, you know we've never gotten there. Uh, in season, it's really difficult, you know. Um, players are reluctant to, to negotiate in season. They want to focus on baseball, and, and, and I understand that. And, you know, um, I've always said, like, I think it's, it's one of those things where you need to keep those conversations internal if you're going to have them. I think that it's not fair to negotiate in, in, in the public sphere. So, if we do have those discussions, if one of the players reaches out and wants to wants to talk about it, then we would certainly you know, entertain those discussions. But um, as far as our desire um, to you know to retain you know uh, those players, uh, obviously I think they're they're great players. That what they've done here is really special. And um, if there's a way to continue that relationship, obviously we want to do that. Jed Hoyer, for a few more minutes on the score on Inside the Clubhouse, and we certainly appreciate it. Jed, um, for six years, well, for nine years, I had to remember to write every story pertaining to the Cubs, Theo and Jed, Theo and Jed, Theo and Jed. Uh, Make sure you get both names in because they're both very important in my stories. Um, You are separated from that now since November, and you're a seasoned baseball guy, having been a general manager and your own guy in San Diego. But my question is, is it, has there been a moment or a few moments where you've really felt really good about the fact that this is your team now and at the same point really uh, kind of lonely out there when things were not going all that well? How, how emotionally has uh, this uh, time period gone for Jed Hoyer? <laughs> I mean, first of all, I'm just 
real, really happy to be in the position I am. I mean, I, I think, as I said, you know, this fall when it happened, you know, this was always my, you know, my hope. And, you know, when there were opportunities with other teams to, to go elsewhere, you know, uh, the grass is definitely not greener. This is just an awesome place to work. And, you know, I will, I will admit that over the last couple of weeks, you know, driving to and from the ballpark before games and things like that, it's, you know, even, even more the, the case. I'm like, this is just a, a really special place. And I, I'm, I couldn't be more happy to be here. And, you know, we've got challenges um, on the horizon, like every organization does, but um, there's no better place to, to, to have those challenges and, and to work hard to, to build a winner. And, and when it comes to, you know, me being on my own away from CEO, I mean, listen, I, it's been, I, I, I'm, so thankful that I have that relationship that we that we work together for whatever it was 18 years together and we're, we're such good friends and you know, we talk you know pretty often you know we'll we'll catch up here and there and it, it feels weird if we go three or four days without without catching up and I, I always I know I'll always have that um, that friendship and I'm just glad that that we have that and you know, I'm not I'm not lonely I, I have awesome people I work with every day um, that Theo and I hired together. And uh, it's, a, it's a great front office. And, you know, it's not like I, I feel a void every day. Um, I'm just thankful that, you know, we built that relationship over 18 years. And, you know, we had, a, you know, a, a lot of uh, ups and downs, a lot of really great ups together. And uh, that's, a, like I said, something I'll cherish. But uh, I, don't, I don't feel lonely because I've got great people working with me. And, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, like I said, we have uh, challenges we want to meet every day. And I'm excited to do it uh, for the Cubs. This, this, place is, uh, this place is really special. Jed, you took a lot of heat for trading you Darvish, and I applied a lot of it, and I think a lot of people looked at that and said, what direction are the Cubs going? And you talked about threading the needle. And, and frankly, I didn't expect to be sitting here in June talking about a first-place Cubs team, and yet you look at we talked about the stars being stars. We talked about some of the other aspects of this team. The role players that you acquired, and I thought, you know, you didn't know, but they have come through in a way that has balanced your lineup that has provided versatility, and David Ross has done uh, a lot of things very well in terms of maneuvering and manipulating that roster. So I guess if you were to describe what's happened to put the Cubs in this position in regard to those role players, how would you do so? Because they have exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think, first of all, I give a lot of credit to our pro scouting department for you know going out and you know finding you know guys like, you know, you know, to name two guys like, you know, guys like Duffy, guys like Sogard that, that really, um, you know, do some things that we don't necessarily do that well as a, as an org, as an offense. And I think they complement us really well. They're great, great guys in the clubhouse and they've really added to us. Um, but I also want us to say, like, I think so much of um, how the bench plays, how the bullpen, uh, you know, pitches is based on you know, the environment and the culture that the manager and, and the staff put together. You know, it's, it's a great vibe every day. Those guys, uh, they fit in really well. And uh, I think Rossi has really, really, you know, uh, kind of pushed every button exactly the right way with this group. And, um, you know, I think I always think fans, fans know what they're watching and they know when they see a team that is really playing together and playing with energy. And, um, you know, the, the, the number of comments I've gotten about the way this team is playing uh, really demonstrates that. And I, like I said, that's really a credit um, to David. You know, I think people asked a lot of questions about you know, how is it going to be with a lot of guys in contract years? Um, was that going to be a distraction? And I think the obvious answer is no. Um, those guys are playing really well. Um, and, you know, the bench and bullpen is now standing. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, 
what's the difference? You know, right now it probably is the the bench and the bullpen and 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 uh, the way we've stepped up. You know, we have twelve guys on the injured list. Um, no one sort of complained. No one, the, the team didn't turtle in that situation. We actually played better, and I think that's a testament to the to this coaching staff and the, and the kind of environment they created. Jed, David and I appreciate your time very much. It's great that you came on the score and inside the clubhouse with us today. Uh, in closing, I'm going to put my reporter's hat back on for 20 seconds and, and say, if you have the opportunity to make a deal coming up here over the next four to six weeks, would it be fair to say that uh, controllable starting pitching is an area that uh, you can you continue to talk about before and will continue to talk about going forward. Yeah, I, I think that's that's totally fair. You know, I, I and I think all teams. I think this year, um, the challenge of, of of getting through 162 games with some innings restrictions and with with probably more injuries than usual. Um, you know, I think teams are going to be looking for starting pitching. We're no we're no different. And you know, I do think like our bullpen has been really special. I mean, I really, if you look at what drove that that run, uh, you know, in May, a lot of it was a bullpen that wasn't giving up runs. And it was really exciting to watch those guys. And I think it, I think when I look at our team, I think you know, the one um, thing we have to make sure of is our starters can get deep enough to not put too much pressure on those guys. And I think that, you know, last couple of nights, we haven't done a, done a great job of that. Um, and we need to, you know, we need to get, get starters in, into the games deep enough that we're not getting, you know, you know, 12, 15 outs every single night, because that does take its toll. So, you know, we have some depth in the, in the bullpen, but we can't push that too hard. And uh, so I think that, you know, as a result, you know, we'll be looking for, for depth, but we'll also be looking for, as you said, the, you know, arms that, you know, can start, that can uh, hopefully, you know, get us, get us deep in games and alleviate some of the pressure on the, uh, the bullpen. Jed, thanks so Jed, much thank for your you. time. Always, guys. Take care. Have a good Saturday. You too. Jed Hoyer, Cubs team president. Good questions to, to close things up there, Bruce. We will react to that and everything else that he had to say when we come back on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670, The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back inside the clubhouse here, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm David Haw with Bruce Levine. Just got done with a very good conversation with Cubs president Jed Hoyer, Bruce. A lot of takeaways there. One that stood out to me was your very last question talking about controllable starting pitchers. Looks like the Cubs are in the market to maybe acquire one or two or to, to monitor the market. And if you're buying one of those and you're adding, it means you're not subtracting, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you want to talk about getting ahead of the curve, David, uh, look at Baltimore, look at Arizona, look at Colorado, look at younger pitchers who have contract control years left, maybe are under contract uh, on what would be for the Cubs a more reasonable contract than it would be for teams that are horribly out of it and not as big a market as uh, the Chicago Cubs now being fully uh, fortified revenue-wise with fans coming back. Remember, Mr. Ricketts said uh, at some point uh, last summer, uh, hey, uh, actually it was last fall when he said 70% of our revenues come from game day sales. Now that they have that back, uh, it it appears from our conversation with Jed that he's got the go to to start this thing going and, and pitching is where it's at. 
you know, you look every day with the Chicago Cubs, and uh, with all due respect to uh, Hendricks and Alzelay and the rest of the group, um, you wonder how, how they've gotten by to be a first-place team at this point with the starting pitching adding starts like two innings and four innings and, you know, Williams having not done well and Jake uh, struggling lately and certainly uh, Davies all year long not getting the inning loads in. Uh, it's pretty amazing they're in first. It is, Bruce, and I think that Jed, I, consummate pro, very polished in his responses to our questions about, you know, the futures of the big three and whether or not they're buyers or sellers. But I guess that if I had to check a box saying, did Jed Hoyer sound like a, a, a team president more likely to buy or sell given his responses, when he referred to fans knowing when they're watching a good baseball team, when he talked about the influx of cash because of revenue, because of the, the full ballpark that Wrigley Field will be starting Friday, I'd have to check buyer. I'd have to check he sounded like more likely to be a guy searching for reinforcements rather than unloading and trimming his roster. Yeah, but you know what, David? What if you get those two young pitchers and it costs you um... – Anthony Rizzo or Javier Baez, uh, is that is that buying? Is that is that moving forward? In many people's uh, eyes, that would be a uh, toss-up, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. See, I want to. I want the controllable pitcher that helps you win this year or helps you get to the playoffs where October. How are you going to get them? How are you going to get them? These are questions that. Uh, hey, let's get Jed back. Okay, let's get Jed back. No, he won't do that. <laughs> um, we will ho- hopefully talk to Billy Hamilton in the ten o'clock hour. And Bruce, when we come back. You know what time it is? It is time for some Saturday morning chin music here on Welcome on, on Inside the Clubhouse here. Join us when we come back. Bruce will have something to say about the altercation in the Cubs dugout last night in San Francisco here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.